Welcome to episode number 183. Your day will come. First of all, today I would like to say just how much I enjoy emails from my listeners. I love to hear your stories of triumph and even failure. I received one such email a few weeks ago, and I keep each one of these emails to remind me why I started this podcast. You are wonderful, and while I don't know you personally probably, I know that the Savior does, and he reminds me regularly. Now, I have thought several times that I might stop producing this podcast, but my heart and the Spirit simply will not let me. Today's thoughts are likely to be short, but I hope that you find great comfort and peace in them. Now, I love the miracles of the Savior that were recorded. He certainly performed far more miracles than we have recorded. So I tend to think that the ones we have were really intended for us as an audience. I know that sometimes we tend to think of miracles as far more rare than common in our day, at least what we might refer to as large miracles. Not sure why we classify them as large and small, but I understand the sentiment. Miracles such as the healing of the blind man and the man at the pool of Bethesda don't seem to be common occurrences in our day. I'm not certain that is the case. Sometimes I think that they just tend to occur within small circles and immediate families and have become sacred experiences that need a particular audience. No matter the reason, I know that when we suffer with mental and emotional illness, we can struggle to believe, see, and have faith in miracles, especially our own miracle. While I love many of the healing miracles of the Savior, I wanted to focus on one that he did not accomplish. It is recorded in the Acts when Peter and John were in the city and walking into the temple. A man who had been crippled since birth was sitting at the gate of the temple to ask for alms. We don't know the man's entire age, but we do know that he was above 40 years old. We are told that his family or someone close to him would bring him to the temple daily. I assume that the family's meager monetary situation caused that this arrangement needed to occur. Such a humbling situation for a man who certainly did not deserve his fate in life. Because of the nature of the Jewish religion, he would have been persecuted in some ways most of his life. The Jewish tradition held that someone had sinned, or that a crippling of this nature was God's punishment. So the Jews likely heaped a secondary punishment upon this man with their traditions. And in some ways, he feels very familiar to me and perhaps to us. Mental illness in our own society, and even within the church sometimes, is its own secondary punishment. Traditions, media portrayals, and the unknowns that come with our illness often make me feel similar to this man sitting outside of the temple asking alms. Of all the miracles that were recorded, this one, however, was different. This man had not been healed by the Savior. It is very possible that the Savior passed this man on occasion as he was in the temple regularly, but he never healed him. Now, what would it have been like to be passed by the Savior and not healed? The most fortunate thing about this man is that he likely did not personally know the Savior when he passed. He did not recognize two of his most senior apostles, so it is plausible that this man did not know the Savior by face. However, even if the man did not know of the Savior, he would have known that the Savior was now dead. So not only did the Savior pass him by, but the mere chance that he might again had been removed. There is no way to be certain, but it appears this man had accepting his fate in life or his calling in life. He would be begging at the temple for the foreseeable future with no miracle in sight. The idea of a miracle was probably nowhere on the horizon. 
this is the way life would be until he would somehow pass away. At least he had someone kind enough to place him at the temple gate, where perhaps someone would provide some mercy. That day he found himself at the gate with Peter and John, was probably like no other, and he likely did not expect any type of miracle. In fact, when Peter and John addressed him, he was only hoping to find a few coins or something of value to keep to help himself and perhaps his family. What we see is a man who had lost hope, at least in the sense that his legs would never be anything more than they were, useless appendages that only allowed him to beg at the temple. And then it happened, as suddenly as could occur. Peter spoke, and his legs were healed. A singular moment in time had occurred. The reason that the Savior had walked by him was now apparent. His day had come, as they always do. He entered into the temple, probably for the first time because those who were lame were not allowed in the temple. It says that he was leaping and walking. He was a witness that the Savior lives and works through those he calls. He was able to testify of his moment. We are not told nothing about him, or are told nothing about him much after that, except for the stood with the apostles when they were questioned. What I love about this story is simple, and it is my story today. Your day will come. I can add my own witness that the Lord does heal those who suffer. Now, I suffered with bipolar until I was about 32 years old, and in somewhat of a similar miraculous way, the Lord said I was done. My bipolar was removed. Yes, you probably know that I've suffered with other illnesses, including depression, anxiety, and a rather severe form of autoimmune disease, but I have never felt the pains and suffering that I did with the bipolar since that day. The Lord desires to heal us. His miracles were not a one-time event that he performed during his ministry. The reason we have the record is twofold. One, for us to have evidence that he was the Savior, and two, so that we could understand that miracles do not cease when the servants of the Lord are upon the earth. Your day will most certainly come. Now, miracles are very personal events, and they are witnesses to us of the divine power of the atonement of the Savior. We are given illnesses to draw us to the Savior, and when we have learned all that we need to learn, the Savior in his mercy releases us from the suffering and pain. And we then have a multitude of witnesses that he carried us, bound up our wounds, and provided the final witness and healing that we desired. We should seek out healing from the Savior through prayer, fasting, obedience, and of course his servants. Healing will come and does come. It may not come as quickly as we desire it, for we do not learn from our sunny beach days, where the water is warm and the windy, breezy ocean is in front of us. Our greatest learning comes through suffering and trials, and that is the reason you suffer as you do. Mental illness is not a punishment for something done wrong, as the Jews believed in their day and as some believe in our day. It is for experience, understanding, and learning. The type of suffering found in mental and emotional illness is actually very unique. There are very few experiences in this life that teach of the kind of suffering the Savior passed through in the garden. I've come to understand that the type of feelings, emotions, and suffering we pass through in depression, anxiety, and the depression side of bipolar-laden episodes is as close as one can get to understanding the emotional pain and suffering of the Savior. When we are deep into those episodes, racked with pain, 
cut off from the Spirit and darkness envelops us, we can begin to understand the nature of the atonement in the garden from the perspective of emotional suffering and pain. That is the nature of the suffering that caused the Savior to bleed from every pore. Now, I'm not saying that we can fully comprehend or understand the immense weight and suffering he endured, but I can say that we have tasted of it and know just how difficult those moments must have been for him. We find ourselves in a unique position of understanding, and I know that sounds strange, but we should be grateful in some ways because we have come to know him in ways that others may never experience. Our suffering should also bring a great deal of mercy and love to others who suffer. And sometimes we need to suffer over long periods of time to come to a more full understanding and learning. When we have learned all that we need to learn and understand and experience, our day will come. That day can be hard to imagine and even harder to see. My own experience was not one that the Spirit whispered, you will be healed next month or in a year. The same weekend that I felt my day had come, it happened. It is rare that this type of miracle is known in advance. I am not sure why, but perhaps it has something to do with increasing our faith in Him on a daily basis. Whatever the reason, your day will come. Some of you have probably lost hope, and I know because the Savior wants you to know that He is still there, still watching over you, causing small miracles to occur and binding up those wounds. Your day is coming, and He wants you to know that. Your suffering and pain will end, and joy will fill your mind, fill your mind and heart. I'm not talking about death or anything of that nature. I'm talking about healing the body and mind that comes with a seed of faith, some time, and the will of the Savior. Never lose hope in this. Never lose sight that the Savior is with you. Never lose that desire to be healed, even when it may be dashed from time to time when you are not healed. He wants you to know that you are loved. He and the Father tenderly care for you in your suffering and pain. Seek him out, and he will heal you through your illness and then from your illness. May you find in him your life, find him in your life everywhere you go. May you also do your part so that the Lord can do his. Until next week, have hope and faith, and your day will come.